Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, what's up, Ocean Hills? John Ireland here. You're in the family compound outside in our garden and uh, welcome you to our worship gathering today. I am so excited. We have a guest speaker this morning, Reverend Adam Edgarly. He's a covenant pastor, the founding pastor of New Song LA and the new recent uh, appointment. He is the director of Covenant World Relief. A close friend of mine told me, you got to get Adam to come speak at Ocean Hills. And I said, why? I want to read for you what my buddy Doug Stevens said. He said this, Adam is an incredible speaker on intercultural relationships. Listen to this. He works from a strong biblical base, uses much humor, relates well to people of all backgrounds, and then sneaks up on us with a prophetic hammer. It's beautiful. And so I can't wait to hear Adam bringing God's word to us this morning. Before uh, he comes on, we are gonna worship together, but I got just a few announcements. I really wanna encourage you as a pastor, as the shepherd of this flock, to not isolate and be on the sidelines this winter. As COVID continues and we're still trying to figure out when we're gonna regather in person, we're gonna be online, but you can still be intentional about growing and jumping into community. There's three opportunities that I'm excited about all of them and uh, that I hope every one of you will jump into one of them. They're all online uh, and here they are. Number one, we're offering the Alpha course. This is so, so awesome, this course. I've, I've been through it three or four times. It's not just for new Christians, although it is a foundational class if you're a younger believer or you're a seeker trying to discover whether you believe in God or not. But I think it's also for, for those of you that are veterans, man, it, it just solidifies and strengthens your faith. So I wanna encourage you to jump in and sign up for the Alpha Course. You can do that on our website. Secondly, we're offering a book club on my favorite book of 2020. It's called Gentle and, Low, and Lowly. I've mentioned it before. I don't dig the title, but the book is gonna rock your world. It should be called Jesus is so much better than we think. So you can sign up for that online as well. This is a way to grow deeper, stronger in your faith and to learn to know God. And if you knew how good God is, you would love him and want to follow him. The third spiritual growth opportunity online is on Tuesdays. It's a 30 minute Bible study. It's called Rev It Up. It's a dig in Bible study on the book of James and I am leading that study. And again, you can sign up online for that. And uh, it's just a 30 minute study. We're gonna do that for the next six or so weeks. I hope you'll join me. And uh, so without further ado, let's quiet our hearts. Let's invite the spirit of God to meet us today. You know, I had a friend tell me, you know why I gotta keep showing up to church week after week and tuning in week after week? Because you never know, you never, never know that moment when God's gonna show up and speak to you 
when the Spirit of God and the Word of God are going to come and God's going to do something that's going to change the trajectory of your life. It's going to change maybe your marriage. It's going to change a decision you're going to make. So I don't know, but I know God's showing up today and I hope it's for you. Let me pray for us. Father, as I hear those bells in the background, I pray that you, oh God, would move in our hearts today. I pray that this message, this whole experience today at Ocean Hills would change the trajectory of a person's life. I don't know who it's for, but I know it's for so many today. So may your kingdom come and may your will be done in our hearts today as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. How you doing, Ocean Hills? This is Adam Edgerly, and I'm excited to be able to bring the word of God to you today. I want to thank uh, you, Pastor John Ireland, for inviting me to do this. John and I have been friends for many years. I've always had admiration and respect for your pastor. And so uh, really happy to have this chance to talk to you guys today. It is a crazy, crazy time that we're going through with COVID, uh, keeping us all on lockdown. And then the political upheaval that we're going through just seems seems like it gets more and more surreal every day. Uh, I was shocked to hear about one of the people who broke into the Capitol leaving a note on uh, Vice President Pence's desk saying, justice is coming. And I just thought, how does a person get that twisted? You know, um, how can we get things so confused? This is a time of polarization and uh, people not even agreeing upon the facts, let alone our opinion of what should be done in light of the facts. But I want to go to the Word of God today and take a look at this idea of justice as it comes out in chapter 40 of Isaiah. And it comes out in kind of a, a background way because God is the God of justice. And the prophet Isaiah was charged with challenging the people to do justice. But in this chapter, chapter 40, we encounter the people of God as they are returning from exile, as God is promising them that God has made a way for them in the desert and God is delivering them from their time of captivity, that the time of their, of their trial and the time of, uh, of their redemption, their, their uh, difficulty in, in light of their sin has actually ended. And now God is bringing them on kind of a second exodus through the wilderness and into a time of peace, a time of God's blessing. We pick up Isaiah chapter 40 in verses 10 and 11 today, just continuing our study. And in this passage, we find out what God is like, the characteristics of God, and those characteristics bring us peace at a time of upheaval. They bring us guidance at a time of confusion. So will you join me in praying as we jump into God's word together and see what he has to teach us? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here. And will you guide me, Lord, to say exactly what you want, no more, no less, that we may encounter the living God, the good shepherd today, and that we might find both comfort and guidance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Isaiah chapter 40, picking up in verse 10, it says, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms 
and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This description of God as the one who is guiding his people, God the sovereign one, the one with power, reminds us that God actually has the power to make things right. And so this first characteristic of God, it's a comfort to us, it's a, a source of peace when we realize that no matter how out of control things may be, no matter especially how disappointed we may be in our leaders, there is a leader above the leaders. There is someone who is beyond all of these earthly powers, and that someone is infinitely powerful. And so it says that God uh, comes in power and that God is actually ruling with his mighty arm. Now, the arm of God is described in Isaiah in a couple of ways. The servant, who, that is a, a foreshadowing of Jesus, a description of Jesus, is the one who is God's powerful arm who brings redemption. But there, there is the arm of justice or the arm of judgment actually described in the book of Isaiah as well, which was this, um, this invading king of Assyria that brought God's judgment upon his people when they were in rebellion. So God's power was demonstrated both in bringing judgment and in bringing redemption and bringing healing and restoration. Here we are reminded of God's power. It also says here that God's reward is with him and God's recompense accompanies him. That means that God has the ability to bring reward to those who devote themselves to him. Those who are surrendered to God will experience God's blessing. God doesn't miss it when we actually devote ourselves to God. He recognizes that, even when people around us may not, and even when we may get frustrated and, and tempted to lose hope, God actually brings his reward when he comes to us in power. So we're reminded that God is all-powerful. We are reminded that God is the one who actually will make everything right and will reward those who were devoted to him with blessing. This other description that we get is of God as a shepherd. The people of Israel were a people of shepherd kings. They were, they were those who tended flocks and herds, and they were very familiar with what it took to keep animals safe and secure. And God frequently describes his people as sheep, as a flock. Now, I don't know how many of you have experience with caring for animals. Uh, I haven't had a whole lot of experience with sheep, but what I have had experience with, believe it or not, is llamas. That's right. I have had some experience taking care of llamas. At one time, my family actually had eight llamas and 32 miniature horses. Those are the little, not ponies, mind you, but little horses that are about two and a half feet tall. Now, my dad decided to do this first as a hobby, and then it became uh, a kind of a side business of raising exotic animals. And so I got to know the characteristics of these creatures. And my, my, my goodness, they are helpless. Um, they really need a lot of tender, loving care. I was I was there with my father actually helping to, to um, deliver a miniature horse one time and holding on to the mare as we pulled this baby horse out and watching it take its first steps, etc. And it reminded me of how helpless we are as human beings, as children, and we depend so much on our parents and caregivers 
to protect us from danger, to guard us. Uh, we actually would bring extended family up to my dad's ranch. Um, one occasion, we had uh, some little kids with us. This is my little cousin actually riding on the back of a llama. You could tell by his face, he wasn't so big on the idea, but everybody around him thought it would just be great to see him ride a llama. But it shows both the dependence of this child and the dependence of the animal to be cared for. My father got very good at it. Here's a picture of him actually taking care of a brand new um, miniature horse that was just born. You could carry it in your arms. We would sometimes bring them even into the house and watch them kind of clip-clop across the tile floor. But these animals needed attention. They could get into so much trouble, and without someone to look after them, they often would. Well, God is described here in our text in Isaiah as a shepherd. Listen to this. It says that he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The most vulnerable, the pregnant uh, animals, God gives special attention, and that he holds them close to his heart. This is not just a, um, a, uh, a matter of livelihood or of utility for God. It's saying that God actually loves his flock. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get so down on myself or focused on my own performance that I think my relationship with God has to do with what I do for God. This passage is a reminder that God loves you just for who you are. God loves you tenderly. God knows your weakness. God knows your dependence. God holds you close to his heart, and he gives special attention to those who are the most vulnerable, those who are in greatest need of care. Now, this image that we have of God as a shepherd, um, it describes God as coming to rescue his people, coming with reward, and coming as a shepherd. Brothers and sisters, God did that 2,000 years ago. Quite literally, God came to his people as a shepherd. Read with me from John chapter 10, these words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, I am the good shepherd. This is John chapter 10, beginning with verse 11, 11 through 18, we'll read. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus 
tells his detractors that he is the good shepherd and that he will demonstrate that he is the good shepherd by laying down his life for the sheep. Of course, he did that when he died on a cross for our sins. But that, that act was a demonstration of the very character of Jesus, that he is the one who loves the sheep so deeply. And he said that his sheep have a characteristic as well, the ability to hear and recognize the voice of the shepherd. Right now, we are hearing a lot of voices, and in fact, many of those voices are claiming to speak for Jesus, claiming to speak for God. But do we recognize the character of God in the actions that we see? We are called to actually not accept every spirit and not accept every prophet, but to actually evaluate what is being said. And Jesus took it even further. He said, you'll know them by their fruit. We are to evaluate the character of those who claim to speak for God. Now, this doesn't mean we go around judging one another and saying, ah, that person's fake, that person's fake. But it does mean that we are not so easily led astray. Jesus said, my sheep will not listen to another voice. They know my voice and they follow me. In fact, he said that the Pharisees were not following him because they weren't his sheep. Do you recognize the voice of your shepherd? Do you recognize the tender care that he brings, the gentleness that he brings, and the willingness to lay down his life to sacrifice for the good of others. Jesus in this passage also says that he has other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Well, he was talking to the Jewish people, to the Jewish nation, the people who were the same as him culturally and ethnically. And he said, you are not my only sheep. There are others and I must bring them also. This was a prophecy that Jesus made that he would reach everyone throughout the world. Every tongue, every nation, every tribe would be brought into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The other powerful thing that Jesus says here is not only is he going to bring all people to himself, but he says there will be one flock and there will be one shepherd. So God's plan, God's intention, and in fact, God's action in the world is to bring all people back to himself while he brings them back together. People from every people group, from every ethnicity, brought not only back to God, but brought back together as one flock. It isn't enough for God that there be people from all different groups coming to him, but he wants us to come to him together. He wants there to be one flock following one shepherd. There's a great temptation in our world today toward xenophobia, toward fear of the outsider, fear of the other. We live in a polarized time, a time of mistrust, a time when people are feeling a sense of scarcity. The scarcity tends to bring out the worst in us. It causes us to give in to fear and to fight for our own survival. The church will always be challenged to either lead by fear or to lead by love. John says, perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. Now, those of us who know that we are not going to be punished by God because Jesus took our punishment upon himself, we realize we have nothing that can be taken away from us. Our inheritance is secure. We should be those kinds of people that don't live by fear, that we don't have to fight and clamor for, for self-preservation, but we can be a generous people, a welcoming people, a people who will fight for protection 
of others, fight for the justice of others and for mercy to be shown to them. You know, I'm reminded of the ministry of Dr. Martin Luther King. He also lived at a tumultuous time and he was a time when he was fighting for the rights of people to be treated equally within our society. He was fighting for the right to people, for people to be able to vote and to have equal access to services within the society. And that is a struggle that goes on and on. But in his ministry, he also led through nonviolent resistance. It was a way of responding to violence and attack the way the Bible commands, not to return evil for evil, but to overcome evil with good, to in fact live by the law of love. Dr. King believed that by responding to those who came at us with hatred and violence with the love of Christ, that this truth force behind us would have the ability to change the conscience of those who were oppressors. That message is much needed today. He also had a vision of the people of God as the beloved community, living together in community the way God intended, the way God designed, and in fact, the way God prophesied we will in eternity. Friends, what are we doing today to foster that beloved community? What are we doing to reach out to those who are different than we are, to come alongside the Good Shepherd and actually uh, join in that task of gathering the sheep? Jesus said, we either gather with him or we scatter. I used to dream about being around during the time of Dr. King and being able to fight for righteousness and justice. Well, this is a time when that struggle is going on. I used to dream even about being an abolitionist during the time of slavery and fighting for the freedom of others. Well, that struggle for the freedom of people who are enslaved continues. In fact, there are more people enslaved today than in any other time in human history. So I want to challenge you both on a, on a close-up level with your neighbors, with your friends, with people around you to, to demonstrate continuously that, that beloved community ethic, that love for the stranger. But also I want to call you to a very specific action that's part of our church family as an evangelical covenant church. We are launching an initiative called FREE. It's actually an initiative to fight human trafficking, to fight modern day slavery. And it's an opportunity for us to jump into a battle that God is behind, a struggle for the most vulnerable, the way he cares for those lambs who are so vulnerable. Let me show you uh, an opportunity that we have. It's, it's actually coming up. There's a launch event coming up on January uh, 21st through 22nd of this initiative called FREE. And why are we joining with partners around the world to fight against human trafficking? Well, right now, globally, there are 4.7 million people who are caught up in sex trafficking alone. There are other forms of human trafficking as well. But there are, uh, the average victim is 13 years old. I have a 14-year-old daughter, and it just makes me cringe to think the average person who is caught up in sex trafficking is 13 years old. The sex trafficking industry brings in $99 billion in profit. And uh, that's more than Microsoft, Nike, and Google and Starbucks combined. There are approximately 250,000 to 350,000 American children and youth 
that are at risk for sex trafficking every year. Well, what can we do about it? How could we get involved? On the 21st, there will be this launch event. I want to challenge you just to go to this website, covchurch.org free, and take a look at this event. Maybe God is calling you to come and check it out online on Zoom and see how he may want to get you involved in that as well. I'll close with these other words from the prophet Isaiah. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Brothers and sisters, our good shepherd has come to bring justice and to care for the most vulnerable. That's a comfort to me to know that God loves me that way. And it's also a comfort to know that we as the body of Christ get to demonstrate that same love for one another and to those who still don't know God, and especially to those who are the most vulnerable in our society today. God bless you. I pray that this message was a comfort and a, um, a, a reassurance to you that the Good Shepherd is still on the throne. Amen. Hey, Ocean Hills, what a great word that was from Adam. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for for speaking to us and uh, and investing in the Ocean Hills community. We bless you and, and thank God for you. And Ocean Hills family, I thank you. We're on this journey together and I'm so grateful to God for you saying, hey, we're in it together. We are in it together and there are uh, wonderful moments of being in it together. And there are hard moments, struggling moments. And uh, this whole COVID thing and the political climate has not always been easy, but I thank God that we've stuck together. Even though we don't always agree on everything, the thing we do agree on is that God's love is unfailing and that he's the source of life and love. And he's got the best pathway for our lives. That's what the psalmist says. So let me close this in prayer today. Good and gracious God, I'm mindful of the inauguration that's upcoming. We do pray that the spirit of God would be unleashed all over our country. We pray for a peaceful transition of power. And Lord, we pray that you would use us as your people in our own neighborhoods, in our own homes, that we would be the people of God who love well, who listen well, who are generous of spirit. God, I pray that you would work in my heart and in our hearts, that the light of Jesus Christ would shine so brightly in 2021 through me, through us, through our church, into our community and beyond. And so we commit ourselves this day to be the light of the world. As Jesus shines through us, may we shine your love brightly. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.